What is up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another live episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. We're live on the YouTube stream. Tonight is Monday, November 29th for the Tuesday, November 30th episode of Locked On Dolphins. You guys are in control. It's Power to the Pod, which means your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it, we're getting get into it all on today's show. Looking forward to it, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Good to see a couple of you guys trickling in already today on the live stream. Today is Monday. November 29th, the show, Tuesday, November 30th. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. want to thank you guys for tuning in to Locked on Dolphins, making it your first Dolphins listen of the day. Uh, really excited for the return of power to the pod, obviously. Uh, we've kind of been jam-packed the Thursday game a couple weeks ago, and the travel that was involved in that kind of threw us for a little bit of a loop. But I thought Tuesday would be a good install day to get this back in uh, because it's going to give me a chance for Tuesday's show to watch the All-22 of Sunday's game. And then Wednesday... We're going to have some reactions uh, based off the all 22 of that game. Uh, we've seen the pro football focus grades have come out. Some of the, the advanced statistics from this game uh, have come out. We're seeing Jalen Phillips, uh, the pressures that he was credited with, Andrew Van Ginkle and Emmanuel Agba. Uh, the Dolphins uh, had an efficient day in pass protection themselves. Uh, so lots of, of early peaks that I'm looking forward to checking out some of these storylines for myself and having my own personal observations. We've got crossover Thursday uh, with Patricia Trania of Locked on Giants this week. We also have Joe Rose making a triumphant return to the show. Him and I are linking up tomorrow, so very excited for this week of content and all uh, that that entails. We do have some iTunes reviews, as is obligatory, on Power to the Pod uh, that I want to start with. But there's a handful of you guys who are in here in the chat. Um Marcus, Keith, Sean, Jack, Doug, Orlando, Marcos, good to see you guys. Please leave your questions, leave your hot takes, whatever it is that you guys want to talk about. That is the spirit of power to the pod. But we're going to start with FinFan927. And this was uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and in reference to the Baltimore game, this game was just the game this fan base needed to wake up and realize we have guys on this team to build around and be excited about. I will drink to that, absolutely. Wins are what they are this season now, but seeing players start to show up week after week is what we really need to focus on. Do you think Javon Holland is on par with the other D-Roy candidates? I think if he continues to play the way that he is, uh, he's at least going to make it interesting. And I think what's interesting is, is Micah Parsons is the favorite in the clubhouse right now, right? He's got nine sacks this season. He's played over 600 snaps already, and uh, he's been everywhere for Dallas. Uh, but if Dallas kind of comes back down to earth a little bit and they lose the luster of being the Cowboys that have a guy who's balling out and then the team has success, if they end up finishing closer to 500 and Holland finishes this season with, with five or, or six turnovers when, between interceptions and forced fumbles, and he continues to make splash plays, and the Dolphins continue to win. I, I do think he can make this conversation interesting. Uh, I I would say his resume, um, thus the, this past five or six weeks, 
has been on par with anything that you could hope for for a D-Roy candidate. Whether or not the Dolphins, who are pretty notoriously overlooked, whether it was Brian Flores for Coach of the Year, Xavier Howard for D-Roy, or Defensive, yeah, defensive Player of the Year, Depoy, last year. Um, I'd be pretty surprised uh, if he does get it. Uh, but you never know what happens, and, and you don't want to wish injury on anybody. But if Micah Parsons were to get injured and Javon Holland continues to ball, that could potentially open that window as well. So uh, Holland, definitely really exciting. Another interception on Sunday against Cam Newton and the Panthers, and it was a really great play uh, where they tried to do the horizontal stretch, right, where you've got an in-breaking route and an out-breaking route, and you're trying to isolate that deep defender and, and break off of him, and Javon wasn't having it, and it was really great to see. Uh, Jain Poo, P-O-O-H, Jin Poo, Jain Poo, uh, still a big fan of you and your work. Brings me some normalcy while on deployment. First and foremost, thank you uh, for your service. Sincerely, power to the pod. Such a toxic fan base we have at times. Front office said three-year rebuild when this thing started and year three isn't over yet. I am still in evaluation mode, this being Jain Poo. Uh, next year is the deadline for me, so fans need to a run and relax. Side note, fins would be 500 if Coach Flo is rocking the bald head, no cap look. <laughs> uh, insert a built bar plug. Thanks for your insight and info, Kyle. Yeah, it certainly helped to see things stabilize a little bit. And, and looking at the remainder of the schedule, you know, you, we try not to play the coulda, shoulda, woulda game, but it certainly is uh, something that's hard to ignore. Uh, when you, you start taking into account what the, the next couple of games look like and uh, the momentum that they've built for themselves. But let's let's see how things shake out. I did do uh, a couple of end-of-season scenarios for picking all the games, and there's a couple pathways. Miami's going to have to run the table. I don't think you're going to have a chance to do it if you you uh, lose eight games. Uh, but if you do finish somehow 10-7, and seven, just kind of exploring what those scenarios would look like, there were several win-and-in opportunities that would be there for Miami uh, in week 18, but that's still several wins away before we get too juiced about that. Uh, Offer dolls neck Miami vice. Why haven't they tried the Miami vice colors? The new logo is like not paying Gusecki. Oh, so dolphins. It's part of the finesse identity of this team that needs to go. Ooh, we're bringing the heat. I like it. The show is the best dolphins podcast I found. Thank you very much. Uh, good for morale after a win or a loss. And that's, all I could hope for. Um, as far as the Miami Vice colors, I know one of the big roadblocks here is a rule that's been changed recently, and, and we'll probably see teams start taking advantage of this in the next couple of seasons. But you had to have the same helmet shell for a really long time, which means the Dolphins were locked into white helmets because their helmets are white. You could change the face mask, you could change the decals, but you were locked into everybody gets fitted for one helmet shell at the beginning of the year, that's the that players have to wear that for all the games, which I find weird because like in college football, you've got 18 million different iterations and you're the national football league, you're professional football. So like what's the safety barrier other than getting a guy fitted for two helmets so that you can wear two different color helmets? I don't know. Is Miami Vice going to be the direction that they go? I don't know. Uh, but I think there's plenty of potential with the Miami Vice colors and uh, we'll, we'll see if they do end up coming back with that as an alternative Addition, Andrew, the comments are popping off. Uh, Kevin, cheers. Victory Monday, indeed. Feels good. Pat, um, I see your comments. Jax, I see your comments. 
you, I see your comments. We're going to be coming back to you guys. I, I promise you. Um, but I do want to get some of these reviews out of the way first. And Pat, I don't know if I'm going to answer that one or not. Uh, Dan Mullen is the topic of this next one from Andrew. Uh, thank you for the content. Have a question. What do you think of Dan Mullen as our next OC and quarterbacks coach since he was just fired from Florida? He's coached some pretty good QBs in his offense at Florida. Last few years was pretty good. Do you think he could help Tua and put a spark in this offense? Um, I don't really think Mullen's my flavor uh, for a play caller. Uh I don't know. I think the offense that he's had, and even this year, it, it's worked best with Richardson, which is a quarterback run, and obviously the the run that that Dan had with um, some of the other quarterbacks that he's coached in college. Having a quarterback run dynamic, I think, is an important layer for his offense to be the best version of itself, and that's not really something I'm interested in exposing too much of two a two. Thin Fan Tommy, five stars. Love the show. Thank you for the call out last Saturday. Thanks for listening. Never thought I'd hear my name on a podcast. Kyle, uh, it's time for you to put your name in the bucket for Dolphins GM. Well, let's see what kind of changes they make first. But I, I do, you know, that that's, I always joke about how the Dolphins pushed me into the draft realm because it was always end of October, beginning of November, and I was always interested in, okay, what kind of changes can they make? So I've been asking myself these questions, as I'm sure mo most of you had uh, for a really long time as far as how this team, what this team can do differently and get better. And uh, my pathway for this year involves spending money and draft picks to acquire established offensive line talent, probably at least two starters on the offensive line I'd like to aspire to, but I don't know that I would love getting rookies. Uh, so that's that's the big staple right now, and I'm working on a, a couple different off-season uh, uh presentations for you guys that when we get to the end of the year, hey, this is how I would set the table, and now let's talk about the different things that could happen based on what we pick up that they're actually going to do. Uh, Chucky, uh, question, do you see Devontae Parker coming back next year? If not, is there a free agent wide receiver that you think would fit? I think we have enough youth and need some vets to boost team play. See, this is the parallel to what I was just talking about on the offensive line. And uh, the nice thing about wide receiver is you often see guys come in and make a bit of a splash uh, as young guys. And I think it's easier to come in and be an athlete in space or be a slot player. But if you do bring back Mike Isek and you do have Jalen Waddle, and I do want to acknowledge the existence of Lynn Bowden Jr., and I would probably find an economic deal to bring back Albert Wilson and just give him a stern talking to get the damn first down. Um, Matt Collins is definitely coming back in my book. You're probably going to have one or two more pass catchers, and I'm going to include Mike Kosecki in that bucket. Because I do think you'll probably end up keeping, you'll obviously keep Hunter Long. Durham Smythe will see if he gets a contract extension. At the very least, if they do stay on the pathway that they're on, he's established a little bit of chemistry. Uh, and if he's going to be kind of the uh, slice hybrid H tight end who's going to fit up split flow zone and leak into the flat and you can do some things with and you get a couple gadget packages in for him, maybe he's worth a 
a low, low end contract to keep around. Uh, I don't have any free agent wide receivers off the top of my head right now that I'm absolutely in love with. I will say that. Uh, but I do think there's going to be plenty of opportunities between the draft and free agency where I would probably go one and one. And it's just where's the value make sense in both of those instances. Uh, that's me out loud is going to be next, but not before I tell you guys about our friends at Beachbound. In life, we are all bound for different things with Beachbound.com vacations. You can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm in a beach resort, I'm bound to end up poolside at the bar or maybe creating my own taco flight as long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand. I'm happy as can be. With beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. That's me out, or that's me, Lou D. Next one. I'm good with Tua. If his trainer can make him more durable, I'm more than good with him. But we complain we've had more than enough OCs during Flo's tenure, but we're good with one more, right? If so, the Andy Reid coaching tree, someone from college, um, and he mentions Rhett Lashley, who's taking the job at SMU, uh, and that's obviously not going to happen. A head coaching gig in college is better than an OC job uh, and the pro level. I think the Andy Andy Reid coaching tree is at least interesting to me because there is a, a strong implementation of RPOs. Um, they are a team that are, they are a, a ideology that's West coast offense timing based, uh, not so much now in Kansas city with Mahomes because they have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but I do think too, with the, the short to intermediate timing passing with RPOs built off of that, if a guy like Doug Peterson was interested, I would be interested. Uh, we do need to kind of. Uh, let this pro- process close out. You know, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have been very close minded to bringing everybody back. Uh, we'll see if the time that was needed to get this thing to gel is what was needed for the vision to be fully realized. And I'm, I'm not quite sure if that's the case or not. And obviously, we have a lot of unanswered questions that we still are in evaluation mode, but it's evaluation mode with a little bit more excitement because this team is making a little bit of a push, which I am absolutely here for mk dolphin for life i feel like i see you every week in here it's good to see you again cover zero question i love the cover zero package that miami runs but one thing that's confusing is often when it's third short miami will play cover zero and their dbs are almost 10 yards off giving wide receivers enough space for quick slants resulting in first downs? This is a good question. Don't you think it would be more effective if the DBs were jamming the wide receivers, making it harder for them to reach the peaks of their routes, which would force the quarterback to throw a bad pass or eat a sack? Yes and no. And here's the challenge when you when you zero teams to the degree that which the Dolphins do. If you press across the board, you are setting yourself up for a lot of rubs, and picks, and that's what I believe the Dolphins are looking to avoid because if you're playing man-to-man and you press everybody at the line of scrimmage and those routes are switch or swap releases uh, and somebody gets picked off, it's going to be a touchdown. 
So you're relying on the eye discipline of your DBs to keep their eyes in the backfield and trigger on throws as they release. And it allows them to kind of banjo and switch off depending on if I'm the outside, the, the perimeter corner and one strong and two strong release inside and three strong releases coming outside, I'm just going to sit on the route on three strong. I'm not going to chase anything else. Uh, so it gives you an opportunity to do some pattern matching stuff based on what the releases look like versus leverage. Uh, and it should theoretically prevent you from getting picked. Uh, so that's the ideology. I would like to see them maybe mix it up a little bit more, or at least press on the outside. Um, they, I think they do do a nice job getting in the face of tight ends uh, on these zero looks, if, especially if they're attached to the set. So a couple things to consider there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a weakness that does allow for if you're able to hit the back of your drop and that quarterback can get out on timer and if he can lie to defenders a little bit with his eyes when he is uh, getting the snap, uh, he can at least take advantage. And uh, you can pick up some first downs with some pitch and catch scenarios like what Joe Flacco did uh, when they played the Jets. And he had the one where he literally just caught it and th threw it out there and it was a spot throw. That was a nice conversion. Long-time listener with a question from YBLT. Don't know what that's supposed to read. I apologize. Great work on the podcast. Best of both worlds. I can let my younger twin boys listen to both you and Travis. Travis had some colorful language on Locked On. I'm gonna give him a hard time for this, and I I try to keep it PG, reasonably. We get a little tuned up every now and again. We get a little wild. My question: Many times, uh, Dolphin Zero look cornerbacks big cushion. Why do they do this? Hope this answers your question. Uh, but you do have another question. Been a fan of since I was three. Sat in front of the TV and told by older brother, you see that team in Aquin Orange, that's your team. Lived in West Palm Beach, got to see them play in the Orange Bowl, the loudest stadium in the universe. And the first game was a Jets game where Greasy and Zonka both played. Also, my hate Jets story I'll share at a later time. Live in Oklahoma now, so loving the podcast and the website. Keep it up five stars. Thank you for listening. And... Apparently, great minds think alike between uh, you and MK Dolphin for life. Our last iTunes review, and then we're going to get to the live questions. You guys have been patient. I have seen the comments pouring in and some requests. Victory Sunday beverages being mentioned. Pat calling for Dr. Pepper for head coach. Lots of good stuff in the comments, you animals. Elfman36, last iTunes review. Found this podcast right before the 2020 draft. Fell in love with this podcast. Kyle brings information and insights for everything. I appreciate that. I thank you for your listenership. I thank everybody for their listenership. Do you see the seats? Do you see the fins seeking another OC for 2022? I want to say yes. And I think it would be beneficial to have somebody with more experience, potentially somebody that you hand the keys to your offense over to, assuming there's no head coaching changes. And I think the Dolphins would probably have to lose out or go one and four to even reintroduce that into the conversation based on uh, the bounce back that the team has had. I think there's more pressing questions on what was different in the first eight weeks of the season and what has changed since uh, for this football team. Why did it take so long to implement a lot of the same things that you we're implementing in 2020 and you know if that explanation was personnel and key coaching changes then those things need to be avoided 
And that may involve uh, a stabilized OC situation that does not have them changing things around. And I do think one thing that's worth considering is they have reportedly already made changes to this structure, right? It was reportedly, uh, according to the Dolphins beat, uh, George Godsey, Eric Studisville, and uh, those guys were collaborating on the game plan, but neither one of them was the guy in the headset for the quarterback for the first four weeks of the season. And in those first four weeks of the season, in which that was Charlie Fry in the headset of the quarterback, the Dolphins failed to surpass 300 yards of offense uh, in, in regulation in all four of those contests. And then a change was made ahead of Tampa, and the script looked a little better, and they were competitive offensively for good portions of the game. This is the, the OC situation, like everything else in this team for me, is in evaluation mode and kind of just feeling out. I want to get the entire picture before I make my mind up. And I know that's probably a lame answer to a lot of people. And it's, oh, well, I have some conviction. Don't be afraid to take your, your opinion and well, say it and own it and say it with your chest like you mean it. Uh, but I do think it is important to see the full picture as much as we possibly can. And, and I do think, um, what they've been able to do over the course of these four games. And obviously they have played some modest teams and that's putting it nicely with Houston and New York, uh, but they've also played the Baltimore Ravens. And I understand their defense isn't what it usually is because of some injuries and the Carolina Panthers. And they've found ways to start creating some explosive plays and, Let's see what the rest of it looks like. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues, the march to the playoffs, they're your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games like Dragon Quest, which is my personal favorite. Won like 20 bucks on a 10 cent spin the other day. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. So uh, tell me somebody didn't say that I was drinking Pat. Pat wants to know is cream soda hard to chug? Pat, why don't you come down to Miami next time I'm down? And uh, we'll go ahead and pour some cream soda. And you let me know how hard it is to chug. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of good questions uh, that have been put into uh, this chat. And I want to start with this one from Jesse, because this is an interesting question. What is the best way to utilize Waddle in the red zone? Zigs and drags. I will say one thing. I don't know if you guys caught the end of the Iron Bowl, which is the annual clash between Alabama and Auburn, but they ran a whip route to John Mechie uh, in triple overtime. Uh, and that was a route. It was against Roger McCreary from Auburn, who's a really good corner, who's probably going to be a top 40, top 50 pick. And Mechie's probably going to be a top 40, top 50 pick himself. But routes like that, where if you're inside shade, as a defender, and I'm going to come upfield and I'm going to press inside and then whip back out away from the leverage of the defender and work to the boundary, routes like that that involve just enough to sell one thing before breaking to something different I think are very important. 
uh, backfield motion, jet motion, then they do a lot of that with Waddle. Uh, getting him the ball on the run, uh, especially if you're able to do a condensed set. So you go with a short edge and maybe you go stacked uh, with a tight end and another receiver out there. And if those guys are going to press inside and you know you run jet motion, they're either going to have somebody running and trailing behind that, in which case that's going to give you the green light to just dump that off to him and let him go get the corner. Uh, but if you're in the high red zone, the, the 15, 20 yard line, I still think you can high low guys, uh, whether that's um, a corner and a flat and hope to run him to the corner with speed and, and put him on the front pylon. Um, what I wouldn't do is run him into the middle of the field in those areas, uh, unless you're running slant and you're looking to run RPO and you know, they're, they're going to be a little bit more heavier personnel. If you know, you're going to reach a certain uh, yard line. And this was really good insight. I picked up this summer from a, a college coaching clinic. Uh, you got to know the tendencies of the team that you're playing. So you got to know, if I get down to the nine yard line and they're going to come out with their short, their red zone defensive personnel that is not going to match if you're an 11 personnel and they would be in their typical nickel because of the distance to the goal line. If you're automatically going to get a different personnel grouping, then you might have the opportunity to RPO off guys that are ideal to RPO off of if they're going to drive downhill and they're not going to be dynamic to recover in uh, coverage. So a couple different ways that I think you can continue to keep Jalen involved. That is one area that I think they've been doing a good job, but starting to get some double moves horizontally with those whip routes would probably be a nice place to start. Uh, Sean, should the Dolphins target a punter in the draft, I, you know, there's draft questions and then there's special teams draft questions in November. So Sean props, uh, specifically the punt God from San Diego state. I think punter is an area of this team that does stand to be improved. I am here for the entire evaluation and whatever solutions can be presented to give us a more consistent option than Michael Pilardi, who I will tip my cap to. I did think the game that he had against Carolina was a good one. The Dolphins in the first half of that game in, in, in particular really did a nice job with field position. Kept Carolina pinned down for a vast majority of that game. So I uh, do want to tip the cap to Pilardi, who's been inconsistent this season, but I thought the game against Carolina was one of his better efforts. Burnt Waffle, 22. Do you think the Dolphins are going to tag and trade Mike Gusecki? His usage seems to hint towards it. You know, this was where I was at in the summer uh, with the drafting of Hunter Long and uh, the other extension that they gave to Adam Shaheen and kind of felt like the writing was on the wall, that a deal wasn't done yet, and they're going into a contract year. Uh, and, and I do know that they probably wish they had their number one tight end uh, was somebody who gave you a little bit more in the run game because I do think the – issues on the edge for blocking and, and staying on your fits has been a contributing factor. Uh, I think the offensive tackles are a way worse factor. Um, but, and I think Liam, Liam Eikenberg has been pretty solid in the run game. It's, it's more so uh, Jesse and Austin Ryder. The past two weeks has been bad at the center position as far as, you know, staying on blocks. Uh, but the run games had a little bit of juice to it. And I think their ability to kind of get that, that jet motion going, and get some threats to the perimeter and force those linebackers to bump gaps and create some miscommunications has contributed to that uh, a little bit. So, uh, but as far as Gusecki, I think a franchise tag's probably in the cards because they're going to get him for probably a lesser deal because uh, he is going to carry the tight end designation. Not that he would want it, um, but Jimmy Graham fought that war a decade ago and lost. So I would expect Mike is is going to have the same fate 
And um, I would certainly expect that the franchise tag, if they don't get something done at a minimum, uh, is going to be in the cards. Daniel with a Tua question. I was wondering when Tua was going to show up in the chat here. Tua Tagovailoa is playing possibly his best game since the Cardinals game last year. What is the next step for him in the offense, and can the RPO offense be consistent against good defenses a la Buffalo? Okay. Hold on. What is the next step for him in the offense? Let's start there. Play the way you've played the last three weeks for the next five. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Play efficient. Protect the football. Make some big-time throws. Set your guys up for some yak. Let them do the work for you. Jalen Waddell, ninth in the NFL in yards after catch right now. Continue to take advantage of that. I will say this for Mike Gusecki. Guy, I think, broke one tackle in his first three seasons in the NFL. He's had some chunk gains this year. Continue to set those guys up for success. That's the number one thing for me, is continue to do more of the little things well. And then the big things will take care of themselves. Continue to work past that first progression a little bit quicker. Continue to anticipate pressure and understand where your hots are. And if you are hot, you can replace the blitzer with the football and get the ball out of your hands quickly. Understand when it's okay to throw it away. Understand when is a good time to take a sack and when is not a good time to take a sack. For him, that's the big thing. For the offense, and to the second part of your question, Daniel, which is can the RPO offense be consistently good against good defenses a la Buffalo? Buffalo is a hard metric because they are – very, very good defending the pass. And um, because they do play zone, I think it does afford them more opportunities to combat the RPO stuff. And I think against a good defense like Buffalo, I think you need a little bit more juice in the run game to instill that fear and that respect that you can run the ball if you make your mind up and you decide that you want to. And once you put the stress on them that way, then I think the RPOs can have a little bit more life. But if you're play-action passing and RPOing and they know just based on the numbers count that they're going to be able to dictate whether or not you run the ball, and if you can't make them pay when they do give you the two high safety looks because they're daring you to run the ball, you're not going to have a lot of teeth. So that's the big thing against a defense uh, like Buffalo. Orlando, it's an interesting question. What do you think about this upcoming bye week? I think the timing might break up our momentum. What do the Dolphins need to do during this bye week in order to maintain their momentum? I don't know. Um, they're certainly vibing right now on both sides of the ball. Um, it's a good opportunity to have some rest. I know it's probably good for morale. Give a guys a couple of days. I don't think it has to be a bad thing, and I think it's not certainly not a bad thing that you're playing the Jets coming out of the bye. Uh, now you can't take the cheese and that's the big test. And, and this is something I've been hoping to, to have an excuse to bring up today on the show. You can't take the cheese now, right? You beat Carolina and we all knew this was going to be a tough game. And now you get the giants and you got the jets and you already beat the jets this season. And the giants are currently projected to have a top six pick. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Okay. You want to take care of business. You got to show up ready for business and to give them the business Every single week. So we can talk about hypotheticals all we want, but from their perspective, they got to be ready for game day. They cannot 
let off the gas. They dug themselves too big of a hole. If you want to talk postseason, you're probably talking 10 and 7. There's a lot of scenarios out there where 9 and 8 teams and potentially 10 and 7 teams end up missing the playoffs. So their playoffs are right now. And that's the mentality that they need to have every single week. Uh, but getting healthier in that stretch would not necessarily, in my opinion, uh, be a bad thing. Lee wants to know if the 2021 draft class saves Chris Greer. I think the end result of this season is going to have a lot to say about potential changes. Um, I think they have to be honest about what their offensive line situation is. I think they have to be honest about the way that their team building has gone to this point. Look at teams like Arizona, right? Arizona, they went out and they traded a two and David Johnson, whoop-de-doo, uh, for DeAndre Hopkins one offseason. The next offseason, they traded a three for Rodney Hudson. Would you rather have a two, David Johnson, and a three, or DeAndre Hopkins and Rodney Hudson? And if that's the kind of spend that's required to go out and trade for some established veterans who are going to cost a little bit, but get Arizona to a point where they're the best record in the NFC right now, there's going to be opportunities to make those kinds of moves. And the receptiveness to doing that, and I think the end result and the finish of this season and the positive momentum they are or are not able to maintain is going to have a lot to say in that. Pat wants to know, you monster, if Durham Smythe won me over this week. I respect the hell out of Durham Smythe's versatility and toughness. I just don't think he's a player that you necessarily have traits that you would hang your hat on that are going to give you a winning formula in any dynamic of the game. He does kind of embody a lot of what this offense or what this team and this regime does seem to like, uh, which is guys who can do a little bit of everything, um, but not necessarily be a master at any one thing. Just my personal ideology. And Pat, I know you're halfway trolling me with this question. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I would like guys that I can hang my hat on a little bit more to do one thing or another. You. Why you? Not Y-O-U, listening on the podcast feed. How did you learn to break down film, evaluate players, and understand high-level football content, uh, concepts? I want to learn for myself, but I don't know where to start. This is a great question. And um, there's not an easy answer here. Uh, so when I first started working in this space, it was as a hobby. And then it became, I want to build a portfolio for myself to get a career in this space, uh, working for a team or anything like that. And I had played, and then I got hurt, and to get a chance to play at the college level. So I coached for a couple years. And kind of just that natural progression for me allowed me to embrace being a student of the game. And, and there's lots of coaching clinics that are out there. Uh, there's lots of books that are out there that, that talk about you know, the higher-level concepts. Um, I would certainly recommend coaching clinics. Uh, they're very helpful for me. And I've had some great mentors along the way, uh, people who were very gracious with their time, who helped steer me in the right direction. There's a lot of great people. You know, Internet can be a really ugly place sometimes, but it can also be a very um, warm and welcoming place if you find the right community and the right people that are, are willing to be gracious with their time and, and you take advantage of the connectivity that it provides. So I would explore some things with coaching clinics and we'll start reaching out to people that, that you think you know can help you steer you along the way because it's a people business just like everything else. Uh, let's see. Pat, I'm not going to take your biggest what if, but I will take Doug's comment. 
Thoughts on the OCs introducing the outside zone runs for Philip Lindsay of Lindsay, Gaskin, and Ahmed, who's best suited for this offense. I'll tell you what, if Philip Lindsay's going to run as hard as he did and be as creative as he was when there was chicken S and he made chicken salad and he's going to block and pass pro with the attitude that he did. And he about had me ready to run through a wall when he was talking about his mentality and pass pro. Uh, you can give me Philip Lindsay over everybody. Like Savan Ahmed uh, was obviously a UDFA Miles Gaskin, seventh round pick, both out of the Washington Huskies program. Gifted backs in their own respective ways. Um, but Philip Lindsay is a guy who ran 4 3 and, and has something to prove because he just got cut. And a guy who plays with that kind of dog and has that kind of quickness and that kind of speed, give me that guy. Uh, I'm really ready to see some more of him. What am I sipping on? I am sipping on a rye bourbon this evening. It's not cream soda, as uh, Pat would have you have you believe. Let me find uh, one or two more. Uh, how about uh, Alex with a question, and, and it's about Jalen Waddle. Does Jalen Waddle look totally healthy to you? Yes, he does. And I know some people had reached out after the big 57-yard catch and run, and they're like, man, like, wasn't Waddle supposed to be faster than that? But on that play, just bear in mind, he ran 21.8 miles per hour, according to Next Gen Stats, uh, which is the fifth fastest logged uh, max speed of any player in the NFL uh, to this point this season. So that's uh, pretty impressive for, for Jalen Waddle's perspective. And I think the safeties played way soft on that play. I haven't seen the all 22, uh, but it looked like the safeties were way soft. And don't look at uh, Dante Jackson, who I believe was the guy who ran him down. Um, but it was 36 or 38, whoever the guy that was immediately behind him, because Dante Jackson ran like 4-3-5, 4-3-3. Uh, that guy can blaze. And Waddle was slowing down because he was trying to set up the safety that was out in front of him. Uh, so, yes, I do think uh, Jalen looks good. He looks healthy. He looks dynamic. And um, 21.8 miles per hour uh, would certainly seem to indicate uh, that he's got the juice. I am looking for one more question. I'm hoping to find a good one. Here we go. Jason Sanders, this from Chris. Is it time to think about bringing competition? And I will say no. And I am as frustrated with Jason Sanders as every every single one of you is. Uh, The missed extra point, the missed field goals. He's not the same player he was last year. Kicking in the NFL is a high-variance proposition. I think that's what makes guys like Justin Tucker so special because they're so good year over year over year. Uh, I think Jason's kind of just, for whatever reason, in a rut, and I don't know if it's because early in the season they kind of sat on him and didn't use him in some instances in which they probably should have, and they wanted to play field position because they didn't trust the offense to move the ball with any consistency, and the defense wasn't performing particularly well. Uh, but he did seem to kind of get negative, on a, or the body language wasn't great, and I remember seeing it against the Colts when I was there in the stands. Uh, so I don't know if that has anything to do with this. I think he is in a bit of a rut, uh, but no, you, I mean, you just paid Jason Sanders really good money and a phenomenal year last year. It's like what we're seeing with the dolphins this year versus 
last year where some of the bounces of the ball that Miami got last year um, have not gone their way this year and they've lost some games that they probably would have won last year. It's just one of those variance things with football. I don't think it's time to bring in competition, uh, but I do think it's time for us to bring today's episode to a close. Thank you for those of you uh, who stuck with us from wire to wire. It's been great chatting with all of you guys, and it's really cool seeing so many of you turning into the YouTube stream. Uh, if you missed it, Locked on Dolphins on YouTube. Like the videos, hit subscribe on the channel you can, so you can see when we go live and interact with this process. It was great to get all the iTunes reviews in and get a lot of live questions as well. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast feed, if that's your thing, Stay doing your thing, man, and you'll be none the wiser to the technical difficulties that the YouTube stream just got a little treat with to see me mad scramble along the way. So cheers either way. Thanks for watching Locked on Dolphins. Thanks for listening to Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys make it a great day. Wednesday is all 22 observations. Thursday is Locked, over, uh, locked on Giants crossover edition, and Friday is a little touch base with our dear friend Joe Rose, who's going to be back on after a couple weeks off. So cheers, fins up, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. You guys make it a great one.